Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. On August the 21st, 2016, from Coolidge, Arizona. In case you haven't heard, Coolidge is the place to be. Coolidge Christian Church is the place to be. We're learning about things that should make a difference in how we think. The problem is that we use what we don't know to justify not doing what it is we do know. I probably ought to run by that again. We use what we don't know to justify our not doing what it is we do know or ought to know. So we have to abandon that way of thinking and allow God through the book of Acts to teach us the way it is. And that we need to embrace it. We need to understand this history. All that God does is set in a historical setting. It can be verifiable. We're talking here about what's happening at the beginning of the establishment of God's dream for all of mankind. And we need to be paying attention. We need to get it right. It isn't how I say it or what I think that matters. It's what does the text say? And we need to be committed to the text and and, uh, submissive to the text. People like to blame people if they don't agree with them. But let's get to the text. And let's not justify not doing what we don't know Let's learn to know. Let's get a handle on knowledge and be obedient to knowledge. A lot of, and the other side of that coin that I mentioned earlier is that a lot of folks don't want to know because they realize that with knowledge there comes a responsibility. And we are in a generation of irresponsible people. No matter how you cut it, generally speaking, worldwide, Individually, anyhow, we are dealing with a generation of irresponsible people. The church has to cut through that and become responsible. And knowing is the key to what we can be responsible and what we ought to be responsible true, too. All right, we're talking about a man that we talked about last week, Stephen, or Stephen, We find a real man here in this book, in this chapter. We looked at how he was selected. He was selected out of the Hellenistic Jews as one of the seven. 
After that selection, there was the laying on of the hands of the apostles, which enabled him to perform various wonders and and, uh, miracles. Because the apostles are not any longer with us, we don't have those who can do what Stephen did today. And if they do do it, they don't do it under God's power. They do it under satanic deception. I think we're clear on that. And that what he did do, he did it out amongst the people. He didn't have his own cathedral. And in verse 9 of our text in Acts chapter 6, there begins to be a conflict. We find that over and over again, that there's whenever the truth is out there, there will be those who will bring a conflict, uh, surround it with conflict. And that's what they were doing here, and they were disputing with Stephen, in verse 9, the last phrase, disputing with him, but in verse 10, they were not able to resist his wisdom and the spirit with which he spoke. So this was indeed a unique individual. Verse 11, that brings us down to today's lesson. Then they suborned men. And um, it probably means that they instigated or put forward by collusion uh, certain men to oppose. They they were... um, uh, then, then they, uh, the ones who were not able to resist, rallied some troops against Stephen and against him by saying that we have heard him speak and we have heard him speak nice and pleasant things. Oh, Alex is correcting me here. You see, I thought most of you had gone to sleep already. And that kind of figures. It is Sunday morning, and it is, you know, people buy my tape just to play so they can sleep well at night. <laughs> and an antidote for restlessness is to listen to Dave. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> so they, they were speaking. And by the way, this is opening up a whole new can of worms for us. Because these people were speaking, or they were accusing Stephen of speaking against Moses and therefore against God. And they stirred up the people. Now, what what kind of people are these? They're the Jews. You got it right, Kaipo. You've got that right. That's an A. I'd like to give out three A's today. One to Kaipo, he's got one, and one to F. Abner, and one to Alex. So they were speaking words against. The word blasphemous simply means things that are against. So it's almost redundant here. Against Moses and against God. 
And, of course, the result of that was that they stirred up people because these people were all loyal as Jews to what? To the law, to Moses, and and uh, to the law, which God, in their minds, and which is true, God had given the law. He had given the law through whom? Through, uh, no, the law was given through Moses. Moses. Now, you mean that God didn't give the law to people individually? That's exactly what we mean. He did not give the law individually by some uh, mystical method. He went through Moses in the sight of the people on Mount Sinai, gave to him the law, and you do remember that Moses' face was veiled. Why was Moses' face veiled? Because what God was given to him was already beginning to the brilliance of the law was already beginning to be tarnished and fading. And so they had to put a veil on Moses so the people could not see that the law was going to be temporary. I've got to say this, but Abner, I don't want you to be offended now. Well, I'll do what I can. Okay. As you see, the thing that separates the Baptists from the Lord's Church is because their dominant theology is the law. And the Jehovah's Witnesses. But all of the same thing. Well, you know, I, so we have that in identity. And we, we need to help I, people. I tolerate them more than you do, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a great deal of tolerance for the people, but I don't for their theology because I've gone through their school of theology. And it's just, it's just as my wife would say, it's hogwash. You know, but people get caught up in it, but we need to bring people out of that because there's no salvation in what's wrong. And if they're... And already with Moses, at the very at the very time, and this is all discussed in the book of Corinthians, that Moses was veiled so the people could not see that the law was already beginning to fade and go away. It was meant to be temporary. And we're talking now about now the complete removal of the law from Christian thought. That's what the book of Acts is dealing with. The book of Acts is the confer- I mean the book of Revelation is the confirmation of what begins right here in the book of Acts. Do you get that? Was uh, was uh, was the law put aside or the meaning? Was the new uh, the new covenant was The New Covenant was presented in Acts chapter 2, the foundation of it, but it wasn't fully established until 70 A.D. at the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple, where God made his final removal from the temple and the system of law. 
and left it desolate. And that's talked about in Matthew 23. But that would take place. Now, folks, either that's the way it was or it isn't, and we need to get, get, need to get a decision made on what we're going to do with the law. Because if we're under the law, we cannot be under grace. We can't be under two things that are opposite to each other at the same time. That's why people are schizophrenic. Oh, yeah. Well, all the Jews did, and they did here. And so here you have all of these people who are Jewish in background because we're still dealing with the Jewish community in Acts, aren't we, so far, so far, beginning with chapter 1 all the way through, you know, later on, two or three more chapters. Then it turns to the Gentiles. But for now, he's dealing with the Jews. So, folks, we have to keep that in mind. And so they, they stirred up the people because people did not realize that Moses had a veil and the reason he had a veil was to keep them from knowing that the law was temporary, that whole system of the law. Well, they, if they had paid attention, see, they would have known that. But they're just like folks today. They don't pay attention. You know, we don't integrate our thinking. Our thinking has to be harmonious. And it needs to be in harmony with the scriptures. But our thoughts need to be in agreement with each other. And they had a mindset. They were not going to allow that mindset to be interrupted. Their mindset was wrong. And the fact of it being wrong is what happened in the book of Revelation to those people who had a bad mindset, they were destroyed. 70 A.D. under Titus, the Roman emperor. It's history. And the temple was destroyed. Go there and look at it. It's been destroyed. It's not there. That whole system is gone. Kaput. No longer around. So they stirred up the people. Because the people had their loyalty in what was wrong and didn't know it. I'm not saying they weren't sincere people, but they were sincerely wrong. You know, Paul says, I have, I have served God in all sincerity. And in the process of serving God in all of his own sincerity, he was killing Christians left and right. Paul was. That was... After his conversion, he said, you know, I've lived in good conscience until this day. I've always done what I thought was right. And what he thought was right was to kill the Christians. And we're going to find that pretty soon. Because he's involved in this story. Yeah, he was, he was carrying on. You see, we have to be careful that we don't trust in our own thinking. Because it'll get us in trouble. And Paul said, I did all of those things in good conscience, but they were dead wrong. So sincerity is no proof of the pudding. Everybody is sincere. Hindus are sincere. Buddhists are sincere. But that is no proof of the pudding. What has God revealed? The proof is in what has God said. 
then our sincerity is put to the test as to how we respond to what it is God has said and what the Word teaches. Because we don't know what God has said apart from what the Scriptures give us. All right. So they stirred up the people. Get, get everybody stirred up. And the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and caught Stephen and brought him to the council. Then they set up then they set up false witnesses. We've got to make our case. So let's, let's gather together witnesses, false witnesses, that will make a case in our behalf. This man ceaseth not to speak against blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. Now, first of all, on, on our side of that question, we'd say, no kidding. Of course they would say that, because that's what he was doing. See, we don't recognize what it was that Stephen was saying, but Stephen or Stephen, Stephen was saying the very thing that they're accusing him of, not realizing that what it is he was saying was the way it ought to be. You got that? So they set up fault witnesses, but the witnesses were really, were really, false in the sense of what they were wanting to accomplish, but they were not false in the sense that what they were saying was in error, because that's exactly what Stephen was doing. He was speaking words against this holy place, which was what? The temple. That's where they were. They were in the temple in Jerusalem. And what was, and the law in verse 13, see? So they were speak, he is speaking against this whole... See, you cannot talk about Christianity and talk about Moses and talk about the law in the same breath. They're two separate things. And they were all Hebrews. Yeah. Um, Hebrew... What's that? No, they, were, they didn't become Christian until after Acts chapter 2. No Christians during the lifetime of Christ couldn't be. They had to because there was no covenant for Christians then. Christian, no covenant to get into after, until after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Then Acts 2 establishes the covenant. The covenant produces Christians, the new covenant. No Christians under Jesus, right? Couldn't be. How, how could you be baptized into Christ who hadn't yet died, been buried, and rose again? Because baptism is a type of that passion. There was a different uh, baptism between the uh, Baptists. Well, we've talked about that before. That, that's under the old laws, and that only had to do with those to whom he was speaking. It has nothing to do with us. And it wasn't the baptism of salvation. Yeah. Because that's a baptism of fire, and you don't want to go under that. You'd be incinerated in John chapter 3. See, people don't read that whole context. So if you're going to be baptized, you're going to be baptized under John, the Baptist. Well, that's under the old law. You know, and he's speaking to the Pharisees. 
He's telling what's going to happen to them. And you can obey that from now until doomsday because you're, you're going to go to the same destiny as, you know, anybody else that goes that is not a believer. You, you, we just can't mix up the covenants. Got to keep our covenants clear. The new covenant does not begin until the book of Acts chapter 2 and is not consummated in the, in the full sense until the fall of Jerusalem when the law was completely removed by the fall of the temple and destruction of the temple. So that's what Stephen was preaching. That's what the people were hearing. And so these false witnesses were saying, here's what Stephen is saying. He's saying that the Jerusalem temple is going to be destroyed and the law is going to be destroyed. Oh, my, what are we going to do? They say the same thing today because they they do not understand the most basic thing of the Scripture, and that's the covenant. Jesus came to the Jews, to the household of Israel only. We have to remember that. People really don't like that. They do not like that but it's just absolutely black and white in the text. I don't know why it's so troubled, but you see, that's how Satan keeps us entrapped in evil. So the thing that they were saying about Stephen is exactly what he was intending to say. They got the message right. But what was wrong is they were putting a slant to it. They, they were putting a uh, spin to it. That somehow, that him saying the right thing was the wrong thing to say for them as Jews. Now, now notice in verse 14, they, they narrow it down. For we have heard him say. Now, folks, what they heard him say, they quote him accurately. So in that sense, as we said earlier in this discussion, they were not false witnesses about what it is Stephen had said. What they were is that they were making the wrong implication about what it is he had said. You get accused of that all the time. Whenever you speak the truth, people will hear, oh yeah, that's what I heard you say, but here's the implication of that. You see, that's the proof of the pudding. What's your implication? Well, they were putting an implication on this. Jesus of Nazareth, that this, here's what we've heard him say. This is what we've heard him say. This Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place. Well, what place is that? The temple. That whole system. He's going to destroy it. House of the Lord at that time, mm-hmm. because that was the Lord's presence. Let's go to let's go to Matthew, and I I don't want to get too much in here because, you know this this is a Matthew, Matthew twenty four. Because what they what they were hearing Stephen say was exactly right. 
And Stephen was saying exactly what Jesus said. So what were these people's problems? They didn't understand because they didn't want to. They had a they had an attitude about it. And a bias. So let's look at Matthew twenty four without getting into a long text. You know, we can spend another six months on this. But you know, I've been I've been thinking about how am I gonna you know, I've only got a little over a year to get through the book of Acts and I don't know how we're gonna make it. Either either we have to go a lot faster than what we're going or we just have to not worry about getting through and taking our time to get things clear as we go. Well, Thursday, of course, is Revelation, and, of course, my concern there is how am I going to get through Revelation in a year? I don't know how I'm going to do that. All right, let's go to Matthew 24. Look at verse, 20, uh, verse 1 of chapter 24 of Matthew. This is all free. Jesus came out from the temple. So what's the, what's the place where they were? Same place as they were in Acts chapter 6. Jesus came out of the temple, but now Jesus was still alive. And he was going away from what? From a temple when his disciples came to point out the temple buildings to him. And by the way, they, are, they were magnificent buildings. There are, there, are, there are some great historical books written about Jerusalem, the temple, and the buildings surrounding the temple. I, I must have forgotten, but they said that they, so it took them many years? You know, I don't recall, but quite a few. Many years. Many years to build it. The towers were built magnificently. The... the, the um, in the book, in the uh, Revelation class, I printed out, or at least we had a lesson on uh, the temple and its surroundings. You can read it in some of the historical books, encyclopedias and things. All right. They came up to point out the building, uh, the temple buildings to him. Beautiful, magnificent structures. And he said to them, Jesus said to the disciples, Do you not see? All these things. Yep, we can see them. You can see them in all of their beauty, all of their splendor. Truly, I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another which will not be torn down. I don't think so. They just didn't listen. They did not pay attention. I want that to sink in. 
Now, did Jesus say that? Now, notice what it says in verse 14 of Acts, chapter 6. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. I'm just telling you that what they heard Stephen say was what Jesus had said. Stephen was quoting Jesus almost verbatim. And you notice in verse 34 of Matthew 24, he's speaking to the same people. He has run the course of his context here. And notice what he says. Verse 34. Truly I say to you, this generation, the people living right now, will not die. What it says will not pass away until all of these things take place. And that's true. That's what happened. All of those things have taken place. Either that or we have no salvation. You can't have it both ways. This generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Folks, if Jesus said that everything that he was giving to them in chapter of chapter 21 of Luke, everything, everything prophesied would be fulfilled at that time. Nothing undone. There is not one prophecy left today to be fulfilled. Not one. No. That generation to whom Jesus speaks died. And it took place before they died. That's that's what he's talking about. That generation experienced the fall of Jerusalem. That that generation uh, saw the destruction of the temple. That generation saw the fulfillment of every prophecy. Folks, to deny that is to deny Christ and his word. And yet all of our churches are talking about prophecies yet to come. Every one of them. And they are all deathly wrong. And I would not be a part of them for any situation anymore. I'm not talking about the people. I'm talking about the systems are satanically organized to keep people out of heaven. I want that said and I want it heard because that's in agreement with the scripture. Don't be a participant in what is wrong in any way. We've got to come clean. Yes. No, there are no prophecies yet to come. What would it be? There are? I'm being smart with you. No, in Revelation, everything in the book of Revelation says it was going to happen then, and it did. And nothing, nothing exists. Now, there are things that began 
that extends. See the chart up there on the board? There are things that began that continue, but they're not the fulfillment of historical acts. They're not the, histori- they're not the fulfillment of prophecy. The prophecy that Jesus gave was given to the Jews. All prophecy to the Jews have been fulfilled. The land promise has been fulfilled. That was fulfilled under Nehemiah. There's nothing left. And the thing is that people get confused about what Jesus said about a future coming. And that's why scholarship has rejected the Bible and have rejected Jesus because Jesus said, that I will be coming to you in your lifetime. I will be coming to, he said to Caiaphas the high priest, you will see me coming in all of my glory. And guys like Bernard Shaw and other atheists of our time rejected the Bible because of Christianity saying that Jesus didn't mean what he said And if Jesus didn't mean what he said, why should I believe in him at all? When every time that he made a reference to his future coming, it was always in the lifetime of those people to whom he spake. So it means that somehow our construed idea of the coming of Jesus is haywire. And we've got to come back and let the scripture define that for us so that we get it in harmony and that Jesus doesn't, we don't allow what Jesus said to ruin who Jesus is. Jesus said to Caiaphas, the high priest, you will see me coming. You, Caiaphas, the high priest, will see me coming in all of my glory. Well, he did. And that's what the book of Revelation is about, is the fulfillment of that promise, all taken, all realized at the fall of Jerusalem, and the destruction of the temple. Those things are always correlated together. Always together. Always the same event. Well, um, let's go on. Let's keep going here. Because we're not done here. We want to finish chapter 6 today if we can. Acts 6. So, Oh, no, you're not. You're right on base. Yeah, I like that. That's good. So he set up false, and and they set up false witnesses. But the thing is, the false witnesses didn't misquote what Stephen said. They put a spin on it. They tried to make an application to it different than what it was. So they were saying... Stephen was saying exactly what I just got through saying about the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. That's what he's talking about. Because that's the message that the Jews needed to hear. That their system was collapsing and it was collapsing rapidly. The fulfillment of the veil of Moses was going to be fulfilled in their lifetime. And so they came and said, this Jesus of Nazareth is saying this, according to Stephen, this place is going to be destroyed. What's the place? The temple. The temple is going. He he said, and we just got through reading in Matthew 24. Yes, he said, I am. This is all going to collapse. 
And it's all going to collapse when, in verse 34 of Matthew 24, in your lifetime. What's that? Under, they were all under the law. Jesus was under the law. He died under the law. Would never become a Christian. How could Jesus become a Christian? He was not a Christian. He was. He died under the law as a man subject to the law and perfect under the law. It had to be that way in order for his blood to be shed to cover the sins of all of humanity. And the purpose of the law was to establish the blood covenant. So if the law is still in, in effect, as Alex said earlier, we don't have any, we, we have no forgiveness of sin. If the blood, if the covenant of the old law is still in effect, there is no forgiveness of sin. We should be killed or be killed. That we, uh, we should all be no reason not to be dead. You know, we just, we a lot of thinking to do, folks. It's a struggle. We have folks that have been in the church for years and they just don't have this basic, most basic stuff figured out. It's tough. That, that's not a reprimand on anybody. It's just a fact that our churches have really done our people so much harm. And it all began primarily with Augustine. Started with him and establishing uh, all of these doctrines that brought people away from the, the Church of the New Testament. All right, let's go on. So we have heard him say, we have heard Stephen say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the custom which Moses delivered to us. Well, no kidding. Of course. That was his promise. We just got through reading it in Matthew 24. You know, an isolated text and very limited, but we read enough to know that, yes, Stephen is saying the right thing, and these people are quoting him right. Now, in verse, 13, uh, in verse 15, having, having it, it just tickles me to death that these false witnesses got it all right. But their implication was that that just couldn't be. It just couldn't be that way. We know better than that. We don't have any basis for it, but we just know better. <laughs> we... We, 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 we have a gut feeling on this thing. It just can't be right. But Stephen was saying precisely what, the, what Jesus Christ had said. And they said, yeah, this is what he said. And we don't like it because now, now it is the application is directed toward them. See? Now, now the time frame is beginning to set in. He's talking about something that's going to happen to us. That's why they put a spin to it. So in verse 15, and all that sat in the council, and you want to talk about something that's irritating, hang on. 
all that sat in the council looking steadfastly on him saw him melt and shrivel and slump to the floor as if he had seen the face of an angel. Is that what your book says? It is? Did you hear what I said? <laughs> okay, I got to get you people to pay attention. Oh, you don't want to let it go. Oh, no. See, every word, every word is inspired. So what they saw, saw, saw his face. They were looking steadfastly on him and saw his face as it had been the face of a messenger. And that irritated them. That, that, that got their goat. They didn't like that. They didn't like that at all. Because here, what they have said, and he just got a big smile on his face. Yeah, you guys are right. That's exactly what I've been saying. That's what, I, that's what Jesus said. I know what Jesus said, and I'm quoting what he said, and this is what Jesus said is all going to happen to you people who are listening to me, and that they didn't like, and that he's going to destroy the, all the things that Moses delivered to us, and that's true, but it's going to happen now. As long as it was off in the future, we don't care. We know we like to push things off, but he says, we can't push it off any longer going to all happen as Jesus said right in this generation. And there were a lot of people that went haywire with Jesus. Thousands and thousands and thousands. Most the of the all, all the Pharisees. Yeah. Well, with a few exceptions. Yeah. So you can see how irritating it was to these people who were sitting in his council and saw his face light up like an angel. Now you think about that. Now, this is beginning to set things straight that have gone awry in the church today. Now, remember, we're never attacking people because we've all been there. We, ha- we can't go there. We're not attacking people. We're attacking the systems that keep people stupid. And most of our systems of religion are keeping people stupid. It's amazing how Up everywhere. A lot of what? Uh, up yeah. And a lot of them have good things to start with, but it's only a fragment. You know? It's only, only fragments. And where we appreciate the fragments that are right, you know? But we need to get the whole picture. And that's our struggle, is to get the whole picture and get it all right. Because it can't. God expects us to have it all right. And we've got so much baggage. I have so much baggage. You all have so much baggage, probably. But we all have baggage. It's a a lifelong to get through all the baggage. I spent a few years just trying to learn what all the baggage was. I've got a pretty good idea, but not all of it. I wish I knew more. I'd like to spend more time 
in some of the non-Christian religions. But I haven't got time. My, my, my time is over. I'm not going to live as long as Abner. Or I'd go back to school. <laughs> you know? You just can't get it all. That's why we have to focus on the clarity of Scripture and the beauty there is in the harmony of Scripture once we get it all straight. It's just a magnificent work that only God could produce. We're going to close. It's been a wonderful day. Our time is up. Learn that from Stephen, and next week, uh, if God permits, we will begin in Chapter 7 of the book of Acts. And we pursue on what Stephen says, and we get into some of his sermonizing here, that will blow your mind. See, these... I want to thank you very much for the attention you gave Well, thank you. Well, thank you for your good questions and your persistence. I like that. And remember that it, we never are seeking to agree with anybody or disagree with anybody. We're seeking to arrive at what's right. That's all, that's all we're after. Yeah. And... Uh, I get adamant because I want people to I want people to be sure they understand what it is I'm saying. And I also uh, I also want to bring this up. I really really want to thank uh, Oh, isn't that marvelous? It sure is. Oh, I don't know what we I don't know what we'd do. I'd go home. And I just want him to know that I'm very glad. I appreciate that. Isn't that great? Yeah, that's wonderful. So let's close. Thank you. Thank you, Kaipo. That that was beautifully said. Father, we thank you for the warmth there is and expressed when we're together, especially as it is toward the word. And may our love be increased for it. In Jesus' name, amen. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.